Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today, I'm happy to introduce you to a fellow podcaster, and she is originally from Kentucky, and you'll hear that in her beautiful accent. I just love it. I've heard her on other podcasts. And her name is Amber Cullen, and now she doesn't live in Kentucky. Amber, tell us a little bit about your family, where you live, and your ministry, and then we'll get to be talking about legacy. Awesome. Well, Sue, thanks for having me. I love that you comment on my accent (laughs) because I feel like so much of it is gone, believe it or not, compared to what it used to be like. But sure. Yes, I grew up in the eastern part of Kentucky, which is the mountains, um, Appalachia, for those of you not familiar, and lived there all of my childhood Hmm. before moving to central Kentucky for college and grad school. Met my husband there, and we eventually moved to Tampa, Florida. Mm -hmm. And in Tampa, that's where my husband's from that area. And so we had all three of our babies there. And then literally our youngest was like six months old and my husband's company asked him if he would like to start an office in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So that's we a beautiful him. place in the country. Part of it the country. is. And if mm-hmm. you are at all a mountain girl or you love the trees and the outdoors, uh, it's a great place to live. You know, really? we're two hours from the beach. We're about two and a half from the mountains. And that's exactly how I grew up. Not that close to the beach, but um, (laughs) I love Raleigh. I did not love Florida. Hmm. Um, The thing that I loved about Florida was that my husband's family was there. And so we were, you know, around cousins and support and his family's just really great. So we moved to Raleigh about four years ago, and it's been two years since I have been podcasting. I... I'm the host and the creator of Grace Enough podcast. Um, I'm also a stay-at-home mom who does partial homeschooling before COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not just as a result of COVID, right. but my kids are homeschooled three days a week <clears throat> and they go to school two days a week. So it's called a hybrid model or some know it as a university model school. Huh. So that's okay. a little bit about me. Um, I want to go all the way back to Kentucky because you pronounce sure. Appalachia a different than the way I would thought it was pronounced. So the correct pronunciation is what? Appalachia. Appalachia. And uh, okay, but it's Appalachia. Like Louisville. Yeah, or Louisiana. It's not Louis. It's not Louisville. It's, and it's Louisville. And I'm from San Luis Obispo, and no one can pronounce that. So there. Yes, because <laughs> that's California. <laughs> well, it's like when people like me say New Orleans. That yeah, is New Orleans. Not a, that's right. If you grew up in New Orleans, you <clears throat> are like that is not how you say it. <laughs> right, right. Now Appalachia, Lacha, excuse me. No, that covers good. covers several different states. Is that correct, or just Kentucky? it does? No, it, it's. I mean, the Appalachia Trail and the mountains go all the way from Pennsylvania down to um, Georgia. So oh. it's very large, but mm-hmm. the area. I mean, I grew up literally right in almost the middle of them, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I'm intrigued by the name of your podcast, Grace Enough. I mean, it's such a comfort just to think, oh, grace is enough. But um, have you come across, well, first of all, why did you choose it? And then I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Yeah, no problem. Um, 
I think, I mean, if I'm being completely honest, when I first started trying to pick a name, it's hard, right? It's kind of hard to know what to name your podcast um, because you don't want something that someone else has. But a lot of it was, um, we, we get these ideas of, oh, I am enough. Oh, um, I'm worthy enough. Um, and we all know that kind of mindset. But when I started thinking about grace, God's grace truly is enough to cover so many of our mistakes when we trust him, when we surrender to him, not so many, all of them. Mm-hmm. And so as I get, as I kind of started thinking about, you know, what I was going to be doing on the podcast, that's really why I chose the name. Okay. Um, I was coming from a different point of view. I was thinking you meant, and I'm sure this is included, that grace is enough for all of our desires, for all of our mm-hmm. wants, for all of our needs. But you're thinking more that grace is enough to cover all of our mistakes. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Yeah. Because so often on the podcast, um, it's not just story driven, but a lot of times, let's say I have someone who comes on to share about discernment. Well, part of the reason why they're, I I don't want to say expert, but maybe why they've studied so much on discernment is because something has happened in their life that have led them on that journey of either praying for discernment or longing for it more because of feeling like they did something in their past where they were not discerning. And so that's what so much of my podcast is about is how God can use any story to impact his kingdom. And a lot of those stories come from a brokenness that somebody else maybe doesn't understand, or we just have never been around people who have experienced certain things. And so it just shows that God's grace really will cover over things that we can't even imagine. Do you feel like the great, this is beautiful, by the way, but do you feel like the greatest result can be from that is hope for someone who has gone through a similar situation and has not felt forgiven or has not felt perhaps, how could God take such a broken part of my life and make it good? 100%. Mm -hmm. I feel like it does that. And I also feel like on the opposite end of that, as a believer, um, as a long or a lifelong Christian, sometimes we can be really judgmental. And so it also leads us to have empathy, (gasps) right? Empathy towards a situation that maybe we would have looked upon at one point and been very judgy about. Hmm. And so it kind of gives you this idea of this, you know, this breadth, this depth, this height of the grace of God is really beyond what we can honestly imagine, not just for our own lives, but for the lives of so many people around us. Do you feel, um, I mean, you're a lot younger than I am, and so I should be more mature, but I'm not. Do you feel that? (laughs) I don't believe it. Do you feel that? Because you've heard so many people's stories, the last two years, you've been podcasting two years, people's stories of brokenness and how God has brought grace through and in their lives. Do you feel like now that the next time that you're going to face a challenge that you personally will go, oh, I don't need to worry because grace is, God is going to make something really great out of this. Do you automatically go there fast? Oh, (laughs) it depends on what it is for me as well. So, (laughs) No, I mean, I do think that I'm more quick to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think 
that, for example, yesterday I was just in this really dark place and this is a complete side note, but I mean, I experienced postpartum depression after my second child and that has been, um, a journey for me ever since. And so when I think back to when that first happened and how long I would quote unquote was in the pit Mm -hmm. compared to now, how I can let myself kind of spiral out of control. I just, I can more quickly grasp onto these certain things, which is, okay, God, you've said you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. I can believe that. I know that to be true. Okay, God, you rescued me from X, Y, or Z. I can trust that you're going to do that again. Okay, I'm having some really negative, overpowering thoughts. I need to reach out to this lady, this lady, and this lady and say, I need your prayer today because I am spiraling out of control and I'm not even sure why right now. Mm -hmm. And so I want you to pray for me. Mm -hmm. And then there are certain scriptures I can go to. And so all of the interviews I have done has helped that. But that journey started so long ago, you know, before podcasting, it started, there was counseling that I've gone to, there's just been personal experiences. Um, But I will say with the podcast, when you began to talk to people who have really dove deep into whatever topic they may be addressing. I mean, I've had a lady who talked about human trafficking because she was human trafficked. Mm -hmm. And to hear her talk about that and what God did, you see his faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of grab onto those things and say, okay, I remember God has been faithful to me and to so many others that you can get out of that spiral a little more quickly, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And I loved uh, going back to what you said earlier on in the answer of that question. You knew who to call. And I think um, it can be our greatest downfall to feel too proud or too Mm -hmm. scared that we don't call for help. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the the paralytic was on a stretcher. And I don't know if he asked four guys to help him, but four guys helped him anyway. That's right. And I think that we're either on a stretcher all the time or helping someone else on their stretcher if we're walking with Jesus because life is hard. It is. Uh, it do, is. You, do you go out and just find people who have hard lives or do they come to you or how do you find your people to interview? Well, you know, I, that's the part I love. I don't know about you, but see, that's the part I'm passionate about. So I do a couple of different things. Um, I have had good friends and listeners suggest people to me, and I love that. But a lot of times it may be somebody's story that I've read about on um you know, maybe it's a website that I read on a regular basis. And I think, oh my goodness, I'm so interested in their story. Mm -hmm. Or it may be that I've read something about them in a magazine. Um, It may be that I've thought, oh my goodness, I would really like to talk to someone who has experienced, I don't know, like the one coming out next week is, um, you know, she parented an addicted child for years. Well, I went looking for who has anyone written a book about this? Has anyone dealt with this that's maybe written an article that I could talk to them about? And so I do go and search for certain topics when I'm interested. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times um, listeners will suggest things to me because I try to ask all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, is there someone out there that you know that has this story of God's grace <clears throat> in their life? 
in um, earlier days, they, they didn't even know how to diagnose postpartum depression. They just would tell, even in Christian, maybe especially in Christian circles, they would just say, buck up or <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always, as if that's going to make the woman feel better. In fact, that would indeed make them feel worse. Had, early on, did you have uh, any bad advice that didn't help you? Um, well, I didn't open up much at all about it. Um, I was very private about that. And that I think is what a lot of people with depression will do because you want to think it's just going to go away. Mm -hmm. Um, so to be honest with you, I didn't have other people put bad advice on me as much as I put bad advice on myself. Why is that? I mean, pride. Um, I've always been considered, I don't want to say always overall, people who don't know me really well would probably say I'm a very confident, bold, um, healthy person. But if you really know me, you know that I have a lot of deep insecurities. Um, I don't have a great relationship with my mother, uh, never really have. And so there's all of that that you have to work through. Um, And then, I mean, there's a lot of things, right? And so I didn't want people to know. And then there's, there is this shame of what will people think? Will they tell me I need to just pray more? Did I, do I kind of believe I need to just pray more? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's my own lies I'm telling myself, plus um, just what's out there that, you know, even at the time, which just has only been eight years ago, praise the Lord that it's become a little <laughs> more normalized for people to not judge that. Mm-hmm. Um but so, yeah, I didn't really receive bad advice from other people. It was more myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the pride. Right. And that's true for all of us um, where we don't want to admit that we're still like we're struggling because I'm definitely a Pollyanna by nature. And I walked in the house the other day and I thought, I'm, I'm thinking I'm feeling a little sad about this whole COVID thing. And this is not going to be published till maybe the vaccine is out. And so <laughs> maybe things <laughs> right? will be uh, better, but it will never be the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I have felt from the beginning that as a believer, as a follower of Christ, that I want to display peace in a way that those who don't have Christ display it. Because if we can't do that, then how are we different? I know. And yet we still need to not coddle ourselves, but we need to, um, as someone has written, they you need to grieve before you can heal. So if you're grieving a loss of people being around you or grieving a loss of health or grieving a loss of a person. There's so many dying right now that, uh, that, yeah. that is the step for healing. So I guess to admit it. And so for you to go through that process, mm-hmm. don't you think that was one of the most healing things that you could do that you knew you needed some help? Yeah. And I mean, I would love to say that that happened so fast, but it <laughs> didn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it really took my mm-hmm. husband reaching out to one of our dear friends saying, what's the next step? Because Mm -hmm. they had dealt with it to the point before we knew them, because this was some of our friends in Tampa. Mm -hmm. So they had dealt with a similar experience, but all, you know, it was actually an attempted suicide um, before we knew them. And so my husband reached out to this friend and I mean, he gave him sound advice because he had walked that path before with his wife. Mm -hmm. And that was basically, she needs to get on medication. Mm -hmm. Um, it's past the point of, you know, you, you can't feel guilty about being a believer and this not going away. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yes, I mean that admitting it 
And then just for me, it was taking the step to just say, this is okay. You are being a prideful. Not only are you struggling with this, but now you're like, no, I'm too prideful to ever let anyone know that I need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I um, can criticize others by thinking, oh, you're too proud to ask for help. But then I can be too proud to let people know I need help. And I think oh, for sure. I talk a lot about hospitality in my ministry. And I always say, you know, it's a gift to allow someone to bring something. Whereas I've talked to so many women who carry the whole burden of the party. Yes. And I said, oh, no, you're giving them a gift because they feel a part of it. But uh, it's just hard to, I, I guess it's the American way to think that we need help. And we do need help. I love the tagline or the mission statement of Grace Enough. Um, what was the motivation behind that or the passion? Maybe you could re- yeah. repeat it for the audience. I'll put it, in, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I mean, well, it's really just that God can impact um, his kingdom with any story. I mean, right. It's a little bit longer than that. So you can yes. put the whole thing in there, I will. but that is the ultimate thing. And, you know, when I went through why I wanted to start the podcast, I just really, again, was thinking so much about, God, you know, you do amazing work and we see it in your word from Genesis until now. It is not an either or. You do not just use people who fully surrender their lives to you and never make a mistake again. Right, right. So true. Um, And sometimes you even use people who don't surrender their life to you. And I'm not talking about salvation and eternal um, salvation, you know, where we're going to spend our eternity. I'm talking about the way that God works in lives and through lives in order to build his kingdom is something that we cannot even fathom until you begin talking to someone. And having grown up in a really small town and having this small world view, which in a lot of ways is a blessing. I mean, in a lot of ways, it can shelter you, right? Mm -hmm. Not having the internet, you know, I don't think that small um, world view is quite as common now if you engage with all the things that we have. But when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet. And so when I really, though, started just exploring the depth of God's goodness and grace in our lives and a broken people through God's word all the way through, and even in the lives today, I thought, I want to share that with anybody so they can just get a peek mm-hmm. into what he is doing, um, not just in the life of your neighbor here, but maybe in somebody across the world, mm-hmm. or maybe somebody that is in a brothel, or maybe somebody that does live in, um, you know, this urban setting that looks so different than where you live. Mm-hmm. So that could go on and on. But, um, well, yeah, it's, that's why. it's so great in scripture that we see dysfunctional families and God using them in spite of themselves, because I think we all are a little dysfunctional. I, one of my first interviewees was my dear uh, Mama Mabel, who's 84 and was born with one arm and yeah. plays the piano like a boss, but she didn't even talk about the whole interview. And I go, Mabel, you need to tell people what you do. Yeah, you only- she goes, oh, that's no big deal, you know, because she's lived with it. That's right. The funny thing was that she had sent me a recipe to try out because she knows I blog recipes. And uh, I said, okay, I'm going to try it out tonight. But that night I was injured. My dog ran me into a back parked car. I know it's weird, but this oh is gosh. about me. So I'm going to tell a short story, but I was so injured. I couldn't bake the brownies. So the next day I said, oh, I didn't do what I said I would do, Mabel. 
I said, I couldn't make them with one arm. She goes, I know exactly how you feel. I've been baking with one arm for 84 years. (laughs) So I think think what your story uh, sharing does for all of us is gives us perspective. That's right. Absolutely. You know, I walked in, like I said the other day, feeling a little sorry for myself. And then I put on the novel that I'm listening while I'm wrapping presents. And it's about the Polish Jews in World War II. And I thought, Honey, your lap is easy. That's right. And I wasn't trying to talk uh, New Orleans right then, but <laughs> I, I think it was Mama Mabel saying to my head, you know, your life is so easy. And I think, yes. and not that we don't grieve our small griefs, but I think it's good for us to see that God uses anything and absolutely cover things that way. So this is a, did you want to add something? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, even mm-hmm. in that same regard, if you're somebody who grew up in a Christian family your whole life, God uses that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to always be this story where, yeah, you were in brokenness. And Mm -hmm. then because the reality is we're all in brokenness. And even of all the people that I've talked to who said, oh, yeah, I was born into a Christian family. And really, I don't even remember when I wasn't a Christian. Mm -hmm. They still have things in their life where they point to the faithfulness of God, whether that's, you know, something small that happened to them or something that they never thought in a million years would happen to them. And that is the beauty of the God we serve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the more that we are aware of it, the more that we share it. And then those around us gain from it. I think they just gain faith. It just helps them in their own faith walk. Yes. What legacy uh, do you want to pass down to those around you or what you're working on right now to do that? Well, it's so interesting when I, you know, read over those questions and because I know what your podcast is about, I mean, gosh, I have more than one legacy I would like to leave. But when I'm thinking about my family, the legacy I really want to leave is God covers a multitude of sin. And so we say we're sorry in our family because there's no way we're going to get it all right. Mm-hmm. And that sorry cover so much, Sue. I did not grow up in a family where I heard I was sorry. And there was a lot of bitterness, Mm. a lot of, um, you know, just wondering where we were, like, what's our place? Because we can say some really painful things. And I am a super strong willed, passionate, loud person. I can hear that in your voice. (laughs) Which means I can love big and I can be mean big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my mentor told me that she taught her children to say, not just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please yes. forgive me because it makes, it initiates a response or at least it makes it so the other person has to say, yes, I forgive you. And yeah. I thought, wow, that takes true humility. I can do it to my child- children easier than I can do it for my husband because of pride. Right. So I had to start practicing doing it That's like right. in the mirror and it, it just helps the relationship heal because yeah. we're all going to hurt each other. We don't have to be in a dysfunctional family or in a hurtful, shameful family where we just say the wrong thing and we get out of bed on the wrong side or whatever it is. Well, and that's the thing, and I'll I'll try to go quick with this, but back before my husband and I were married or early on in marriage, I started realizing like, okay, his family is so different than mine, but I knew they weren't a family that never fought. It's not like they grew up in this little peaceful Christian family where nobody ever lost their cool and blew up at each other. And so I asked him one day, I said, what do you think is the difference? Like, what did you see, 
growing up that, uh, not maybe that I didn't, but what do you think made the difference in how you all handled this conflict? Because there was yelling, you know, some people will be like, oh, I never heard my parents yell or fight. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my husband or I, either one could say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said, you know, I just remember my parents when they did something that they felt was not right. They came in and sat on our bed and said, you know what? We were wrong and we're sorry. Mm-hmm. And we want to ask for your forgiveness. <clears throat> and it was at that moment, like a light bulb went off in my head. Cause I was like, I did not experience that. And I don't say that to shame my parents because mm-hmm. I don't think they grew up in a culture like that. Mm-hmm. I say that because I have already seen a difference in my children from sometimes just pulling their little faces in after I've, you know, went off on some rant and said, <laughs> I'm sorry, mommy was wrong. Mm -hmm. I need Jesus just like you need Jesus. Mm -hmm. So will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that because really, that's the only thing that's going to get you through life. (laughs) Well, you want the relationship with your children to grow closer to friends when they're older. And so just the other day, one one of my daughters said on the phone, but mom, you said this. And I go, I'm so sorry. Not only am I sorry, I'm embarrassed, but I'm so sorry. I will really look not to do that again. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that she told me rather than harbor it or tell her sisters that she's mad at her mother. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it is a, it can be a generational thing, but it's, and there could be a a temperament thing, but, uh, so that's a big legacy that you're leaving and that will make such a difference to your children I hope so. when they grow up. Is there another legacy? You, you mentioned you had more than one. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I, I feel like this can be so cliche, but I want my kids to really have a deep respect and reverence for God's word. Um, I mean, I hope with all my heart that they follow it. But if nothing else, I want them to feel like when they're in a crossroads, that that's the place they go for insight, advice, guidance, to answer their questions um, instead of the world. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, again, that sounds so cliche, but it really is the desire of my heart. Oh, it's not cliche because it's truth. (laughs) And a lot of people have said on the show that, you know, to love God and love his word. But for you to say it in such a way, I think it's helpful to all of us that we come to a crossroads. What do we do? Well, we call our mother, we call our dad, we go to the bank, we call our insurance man, we call the fire department, whatever we need to do. But ultimately, we're going to God's God for wisdom. I remember my brother, uh, when I was visiting their family of five kids and at, at the dinner table, he'd everybody share a prayer request for the person next to him to pray for. And we weren't raised that way. So God, God changed my brother's life to do that. But his little, his son was a little young and reticent. And he goes, dad, I don't know what to ask for, pray for. And Hyatt would say, pray for wisdom. Always pray for wisdom. And that is a very, this, this young Hyatt now has a PhD from Stanford, but he's not just (laughs) smart. He's wise. Yeah. And uh, because he relies on the Lord. And that's such a, a crux when we come to something and we go, well, I can ask the world or I can ask the Lord. Yep. And the Lord's truth is the, the truth that will go, even sometimes we get the truth from the, from the world, but ultimately from God. That's Have right. you had, you've said you had to overcome some obstacles from your upbringing. Was there anything else or challenges for you to be able to pass on 
Um, I mean, I'm almost afraid it's too late now because my kids are grown, but uh, you don't want kids to be uh, so familiar with God that they don't respect him or they think, okay, now I'm out of the nest. I'm going to go discover something else. What would you say to those parents who are afraid of that? Yeah, I mean, I'm so early in the game that I have to say sometimes I'm afraid of that too. Like, have I put them in this bubble that um, maybe that's what they're going to do? They, they're going to get out of school, out of my home, and just go run wild. But <laughs> I will say the thing, and, and they may still, um, because one thing I have already learned and know is that we don't get to control the outcome. Um, yes, we pray for them. Yes, we speak God's word over them, into them. We have discussion, um, but we don't get to control them. Mm-hmm. And so we don't get to make the decisions for them. But with that said, in our house, we try really hard to have very open conversations about questions, about hard things, about cultural things that, you know, maybe. So earlier this year, I read the pop culture parent and a couple of the things that they challenge you to do there is really to just engage in the, the pop culture that your kids love, you know, Fortnite being one of those for my family and I can't stand Fortnite, but it's a video game that my oldest son loves and it takes everything I have to engage that, (laughs) but it's, it's engaging it not so much in a way of, Oh, I'm just going to sit down and play it and talk nothing about it, but it's, Hey, what about this is, good? What about this is lovely? What about this is right? Mm -hmm. What about this is worldly? What is the message this is trying to get across to you? That's a good question. And then is there any redeeming quality in this? And then who is the only person that can actually meet the need that because the question ultimately is always we're trying to, whether it's a fairy tale or whatever it's basically that we want to be loved and we want to be known right mm-hmm. i mean that honestly if you look at any movie any television show any video game it almost always maybe not 100 percent of the time but it comes back to i'm trying to show you your love you're valued and that you're known and so it has been amazing to watch some of the conversations that we've been able to have during the political season, for example. It was just like this idea of, what's that ad telling you? Mm-hmm. Who is the only person that can actually save you? Can mm-hmm. either of these candidates? No. <clears throat> right. So you have to filter that through the lens of God's word and realize there is no perfect answer outside of God and Jesus and his word. So you have to take the information you have, filter it through that, reject what is not the truth and hold on to what is the truth. Right. And I find that um, because I engage with conversation with young adults more because of my kids' friends and they're not all Christians who come over. And I remember one fellow saying, well, what do you think is the theme of the Lord of the Rings? I go, oh, it's it's a theme of redemption. Well, has he ever even used that word before? Right. You know, a brilliant young man, but. And he just looked at me and I said, yeah, because we all need redemption and, and the good guys win at the end. Maybe we won't see it here on the earth, but it's like my daughter's going, okay, mom, that's enough. But um, I said, in the end, you know, God wins. And that's what those books and the movies display. And that's why you love it so much because there's a longing in us for us to win that's right. at the end. That's right. And, and to be, yeah. And then I was watching another show recently and this fellow said, well, what did you think of it? Again, and not a believer. I said, 
I, I can't find very much that's redeeming in it. I said, it's enthralling. It's good acting. It's an interesting story, but I don't really care about any of the character because none of them are good. <laughs> and right. he kind well, of agreed with me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Even at the end, if like, let's say the bad guy wins or it was just a boring mm -hmm. movie or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we're in a real life setting and you can right. say, is there anything redemptive in that? And really, the only redemption is, is that, no, they need to put someone in that wins. That, that's yes. the good guy, right? Mm -hmm. That's Christ. And mm -hmm. so that that's the thing that I feel like with my kids, we're always, um, even if they have an argument with our neighbor, it's just coming home and saying, okay, we're both little sinners, you know, <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you're right or he's right or you're wrong or he's wrong. You need to filter your conversation that you just had, your argument, through the lens of, was I being prideful? Was I just wanting to win the conversation? Mm -hmm. Was that manipulative on his part? So those kinds of things, um, I try constantly to have that conversation with my kids. So they're actually trying to pay attention to the world, not be afraid of the world, but engage it in a healthy way mm -hmm. um, and be able to filter it through the truth because that's one thing for sure. We, we want to protect everybody from the bad. And I think when they're super young, there's a lot of benefits to that, but man, we've got to teach them how to think. Mm -hmm. And teach them how to fight, not physically, but teach them how to fight against uh, Satan's wiles. Oh, our pastor, right. ju pastor just did a great message on Ephesians 6, you know, the armor of God. And he yeah. said the gospel message, you know, Satan uh, tempts us on two Two major areas, tempting to sin and tempting to, for shame. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. we feel that God has, is not grace enough, right? That's or right. we don't feel he's holy enough, so we go ahead and sin and realize he's going to forgive us. So because the gospel answers both of those. So if we mm -hmm. can keep, I thought that was, I rarely remember sermons, but I have repeated that to several people now, so now it's the third time. So I am remembering that the gospel comes in and says, God is holy, but you can still approach me because of Jesus. That's the gospel. That's right. God is uh, forgiving because of That's what right. Jesus did. So uh, for us to, for you to teach your children to engage at such a level, I mean, that sounds like good marriage counseling to me, not just parenting, where you say, am I just wanting to win? Because we do, we like to win. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. My kids get to see me practice it often because yes. <laughs> I can be very mouthy. And so yeah. I, I find myself often being like, mama totally messed up there. Um, I shouldn't have said that, or I shouldn't have done that, or I feel bad about doing this. And so, yeah, I mean, that's but the that's thing good. when I, yeah, that's the thing with like um, the pop culture parent and Mama Bear Apologetics. That's another book that really teaches you how to k help your kids engage the world. And um, I'm just grateful for those two resources, both of which I, it, it's interesting. It kind of brings it full circle. I've had both of those people on my show because I was so impacted by their book. Wonderful. That's so really that great. brings it kind of full circles. We were talking about earlier, you know, wh where do you get your guests? Well, sometimes I read a book and I'm like, this is awesome. I want to have a conversation about it. I have to tell you something. When we were first married, I told my husband, I said, guess what? I just read in my quiet time. I have a great verse um, <laughs> where David asks God to set a guard over his mouth. Oh, Lord, because I'm like you. <laughs> and he said, well, you should have prayed for a whole army. I could, I could sense that those same words could yeah, come out of uh, my yeah. Yeah. mouth. And only he didn't laugh. So I thought, oh, Lord, I think I need to pay for a whole 
army. Well, this is wonderful. Can you repeat the names of those books? I'll put them in the show notes. Mama Bear Apologetics and what was the pop culture one? The pop culture parent. Pop, pop culture mm-hmm. parent. Okay, well, I'll put those in uh, the show notes. Uh, is there any wisdom that you want to leave us with today? Amber, you've been terrific. Oh, thank you, Sue. Um, I would just say if you're a person out there who really does struggle with saying I'm sorry, um, it's just like anything else. When you begin to practice it, it becomes a lot easier. And I believe wholeheartedly that when you begin to practice saying I'm sorry for the things that you have done to harm someone else, your heart is the heart that is softened. Mm. And you get to experience the overwhelming forgiveness of God so much greater because you began to see how much it's needed and how much he has to forgive you for. So that's what I would say um, and share with your listeners. Uh, I would like to ask one more thing on that is when someone, if you ever had the opportunity to say that you're sorry to someone and they still haven't forgiven you. What do you do then? Well, I live that on a daily basis uh, in a relationship with my mother, and it's a constant battle. But I have to say, you, you have to own the sin that you've committed. And you have to apologize for that. You don't own someone else's wrongdoing. Right. And when you say you're sorry and you ask for forgiveness, you're not responsible for their response. Right. It still hurts though. That, oh, it, it, and, and the pain doesn't, I don't, be, the pain hasn't gone away from me. It's a daily battle. And I honestly think it will probably be a lifelong battle, but those are the places when I remember things like, you know, the parable of the two debtors where the king forgave all of his debt. And then that servant went out and would not forgive far less debt to his mm-hmm. servant. And then he went back and the master said, forget it. Now you get to spend your life in prison because of that. And I'm not saying that's what God will do, but I'm saying you can live a real yeah. hell on earth when you choose to not forgive someone else. And mm-hmm. so I remind myself of that often. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've wronged someone I ask for forgiveness. I didn't receive it, but I did apologize. And mm-hmm. I have to just remember that that's enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scripture says that as much as we, is our responsibility to be at peace with all men. And I think all we can do is all we can do yeah. um, without feeling prideful. Well, I, you know, I ask for forgiveness. So it, it, oh, I mean, yeah. it's a cyclical thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does, you definitely don't just say it and it goes away and that never right. happens again. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, this has been practical and helpful and and I know encouraging to my audience. So thank you so much, Amber. And I'm going to put your link so people can subscribe to your podcast as well. It's called Grace Enough. And this is Amber Cullen. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.